0: Tradcast Express. Tradcast Express It's Monday, January 10th, 2022. This podcast episode number one forty seven continues the discussion of the fallout from the Responsa ad dubia, responses to questions that the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship released on december eighteenth which restrict the celebration of the traditional Latin Mass even further. So, if you haven't yet listened to the first two installments of the series, episodes 145 and 146, it is recommended that you do so first, so you get the full picture. But now, let's go ahead with today's episode. Turning once again to the infamous document issued on December 18th, 2021, the Responsa ad Dubia, the Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, Arch-Layman Arthur Roche, quotes Pope Francis, speaking to a liturgical conference on August 24, 2017, saying that, quote, we can affirm with certainty and with magisterial authority that the liturgical reform is irreversible, unquote. By including this quote, it's clear that the intent is to underscore once again that the new Mass is definitive and not going anywhere, and that all of these concessions to the traditional Latin Mass communities over all these years had only one purpose, and that is to accompany those stragglers who were having a hard time accepting the Novus Ordo liturgical revolution. In other words, the plan is and has been that everyone in the Roman Rite of the Vatican II Church will ultimately be assisting at the new Mass. And those who've been resisting that to a greater or lesser extent are being gradually reined in until they either submit or will be solemnly cut off. In other words, this is basically the 1980s all over again. And this is a battle the modernists in Rome are going to win against the Semitrats because the Semitrats continue to recognize them as the lawful Catholic authorities. The Semitrats themselves are giving the modernists their trump card and then they're in shock when the modernists play it. Well, what did you think they were going to do with it? Francis doesn't care about resistance. He doesn't care about being resisted because for as long as they recognize him as pope, he wins. He wins necessarily because the Catholic Church is set up that way. God himself gave the church a pope as the principle of unity and as the final arbiter over all things pertaining to faith, worship, and governance, guaranteeing That even though the Pope may not always choose the most prudent course of action in a given situation or make the most perfect decisions, nonetheless, it will always be perfectly safe for your soul to follow the Pope. So much so that God requires your submission to the Pope as a matter of eternal salvation. Why do you think God set the church up that way? To torture us? To give us a stumbling block to salvation? No, but just the opposite, because clinging to the Pope and his magisterium would be for us the guarantee that we're on the right track, that we're in communion with him, Jesus Christ our blessed Lord, it is by being in communion with the visible head of the church that you are assured of being in communion with the invisible head. By being in communion with the vicar of Christ, you are guaranteed to be in communion with Christ himself. That is how God set it up. And that's why Pope Leo Thirteenth could say in his address of February 20th, 1903, quote, By God's commandment, salvation is to be found nowhere but in the Church. The strong and effective instrument of salvation is none other than the Roman pontificate. And that's why the question of the Pope is so important, and not just a matter of opinion. That's why it's so important to know that Jorge Bergoglio is not the Pope, or Joseph Ratzinger for that matter. There is currently no pope reigning, as far as we know, and there hasn't been since Pius XII died in 1958. That is an utter disaster for the Catholic Church. It is an utter catastrophe for souls. But an even greater calamity is the new church of the Second Vatican Council that was introduced, by John XXIII, built by Paul VI, varnished by John Paul II, polished by Benedict Sixteenth, and that is now being revealed for what it truly is by Francis, who is tearing away the pretty facade to reveal what's really underneath, the great apostasy in all its hideousness. And of course, the traditional Latin mass people in the new church, the trads, surely not all of them, but definitely the majority, want nothing to do with this monstrous new church of ecumenism, interreligious dialogue, Masonic fraternity, climate change, and migrant worship, not to mention Pachamama. The traditional Latin Mass, for as long as it was widely available, thanks to Benedict XVI's Samorum Pontificum, acted as a mask covering the ugly reality of the new church. And now that mask is being taken away, and the people cannot stand it, because deep down they do not believe in this new church, which is represented by the Novus Ordo Mise, the new Mass. Of Paul VI. They believe in the church before Vatican II, which is represented by the traditional, also called Tridentine Mass. So Francis made a devilishly clever move with Traditionis Custodes, the decree issued on July 18th of last year, gradually phasing out the traditional Latin Mass, because now he has his traditionalists trapped. If they accept his liturgical directives, they will be gradually returning to the Novus Ordo. If they reject them, they are only proving the need for them to have been issued to begin with. Because remember, the very things that Francis complained about in Traditiones Custodes, that many of the traditional Mass goers aren't really accepting Vatican II or the New Mass that they're disobedient, that they have their own little groups, and so on. All of that, they are now confirming to be true. And to substantiate that, all you need to do is look at the reactions of the gatekeepers, the de facto leaders of these semi-traditionalists. There's a whole list of links to initial reactions from these people that you can find at uh, Novus Ordo Watch. The the post is called Dreary Christmas. semi excoriate Francis over new Latin mass restrictions. And it was published on our blog on December 21st. And I'll put a link to that in the brief description for this podcast episode. So you can just click on that. Also, I've compiled a few fun soundbites here from some of the more well-known self-appointed recognize-and-resist pundits in the English-speaking world. They weren't hard to find, since as soon as the Responsa Adubia were released on December 18th, they all had plenty to say about it on YouTube. They quickly rose to the occasion to tell the world what faithful Catholics ought to think, about these new Vatican guidelines, and how they are to respond to them. Because, of course, they get to define what constitutes the proper reaction of a faithful Catholic, right? And wouldn't you know it, somehow, it's not loyal submission to the man they insist is the Pope. Amazing, isn't it? All right, so let's go ahead now and listen to some reactions here. The first one is from Brian McCall, editor-in-chief of Catholic Family News, in the video entitled Livestream Q&A on Today's Further Attack on the Traditional Liturgy, published on YouTube on December 18th. After giving his own assessment of the new document, McCall reacts to comments submitted by people in the live chat, and one of those commenters said that the Vatican document is evil and another said that it is satanic. Brian McCall agreed with both of these comments. This is at 10 minutes and 7 seconds into the video.
1: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Lisby, this is uh, evil. That's really the only way to describe it. I think you're right. Uh, Satanic, Uh, that's another way to describe it? Absolutely.
0: So there we go. Brian McCall believes that the apostolic see of the Holy Roman Catholic Church can issue satanic liturgical guidelines. Got it. Never mind that Pope Pius XII taught that the Catholic Church is spotless in her sacraments. That's the exact words he used in the encyclical Mystici Corporis, paragraph 66. Yeah, so don't blame it on the human element now. Okay. The sacred liturgy isn't the Church's human element. That's her divine element. In fact, the Council of Trent issued the following dogmatic pronouncement, quote, If anyone says that the ceremonies, vestments, and outward signs which the Catholic Church uses in the celebration of masses are incentives to impiety rather than the services of piety, let him be anathema, unquote. You can find that in Denzinger, number 954. So, I'd say calling them satanic qualifies as saying they're incentives to impiety. No? All right. Next, let's uh, briefly go to Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who appeared on Raymond Arroyo's show, The World Over, on December 16th, two days before the responsa were actually issued. It's because they knew the crackdown on the traditional mass was looming, and so in that show, they anticipated that. And Kwasniewski had a rather cryptic message for his not so holy father first of all we need to keep
1: praying for the Holy Father and and the bishops because they have they 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 will incur uh, a, a lot of wrath if they and a lot of disunity and a lot of
0: of of, of mm. pain and, and anguish uh, if they actually go through with this okay hey maybe we'll just leave it at that. Now, the most emotional reaction came from Michael Matt, editor of The Remnant. He blew not just one gasket, but I'd say a whole gasket factory. I had never before heard him yell as much and as loudly as he did in the video published on December 19th entitled, The Intolerant Pope, Francis Cancels Faithful Catholics. Let's listen to a few clips here.
1: And we began, remember what we're talking about here. This is one of the things that bothers them so much, these modernists. We're talking about families. We are talking about young families. We're talking about people with seven, eight, nine, ten kids (laughs) right before Christmas. This is all they've ever known. They're not in open rebellion against the modernists and Second Vatican Council. They pay no attention to that. They're just trying to serve their souls, save their souls. They're just trying to raise their kids in the faith. The vast majority. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of young children. We're talking about young families. That
0: Francis is calling dissenters and sowers of disunity. Okay, so here he's making the case that most of the people who are affected by Tradiciones Custodes aren't really rebelling against anything. They're not trying to be at odds with the new church. They're not against, you know, Vatican II and all the. They're just kind of Catholic and that's that. So, in other words, he's saying they're not like The Remnant or Catholic Family News or Rorate Celi or the Fatima Center or, you know, because all those organizations and publications are in rebellion against modernist Rome. That's why they exist. And ironically, Michael Matt himself proves it in that very video. Here's some more. These people wrecked. The liturgy wrecked
1: the Roman li- Rite, which goes back to apostolic times. The Anglicans had given us all these options, messing with it, destroying it, until we have this, this bastardized version of the Roman Rite now called the Novus Ordo Missae, right? They're the ones who wrecked it. They're the ones. And now they're accusing us, the little people, the people in the pews, the people trying to raise their kids. They're accusing us of the crimes of subversion, for not going along with the recovation of the mass, with the destruction of the faith of our fathers. Look around you. Mass apostasy. Even Pope John Paul II called it the silent apostasy. What is Francis talking about? We're supposed to loyally adhere to that wreck, to that mess, to that shipwreck that they made out of the Catholic Church? And if we don't, we're guilty? We're the ones who are guilty of
0: subversion. Okay, so he's admitting that he is rebelling. He just says that the rebellion is legitimate and necessary. All right, here's more. This guy Francis,
1: I'm sorry, he is the chaplain of the New World Order. It is Christmas time, and he's at war with children, with young priests, with a whole orders of young nuns. What for?
0: What is he doing, this man? How can you defend this anymore? All righty, and next, Matt steps things up a bit and tries to recruit Novus Ordo bishops to join him in his rebellion. Diabolical disorientation has been going on for a long time. I
1: think there are a lot of bishops who are now beginning to say, wait, something's gone really wrong. Your Excellencies, I hope and pray (laughs) that includes you, we are literally praying every night for you we will stand with you if it comes down where you have to make a stand what's happening in the vatican you will have no more loyal defenders than us than the traditional catholics but you must your excellencies you must lead now
0: you must resist you cannot go along with this thank you and uh, next up it gets really funny Michael Matt declares that loyal submission to the teachings, laws, and liturgical rubrics issued by the Apostolic See is a Protestant caricature of Catholicism that, thankfully, thanks to Jorge Bergoglio, we no longer have to worry about. But the thing that stood in our way was this mistaken notion
1: that the Pope must be worshiped. Everything he says and does is of the Holy Ghost. This is absolute. Nonsense, worse than nonsense, it's the caricature that Protestants fashioned some 500 years ago. That the Catholics worship the Pope. That the Pope is basically Christ, not the vicar of Christ. But he is Christ. You gotta worship everything he says and does. That is Martin Luther's caricature of the papacy.
0: But now, that's gone. Thank you very much, Francis. It's over. Actually, the only caricature here is that of Michael Matt. He just caricatured Submission to the Roman pontiff as worship of the pope. And then he has the nerve to say, Long live tradition, when of course it is tradition that requires submission to the Roman pontiff. Papalatry is dead. Long live tradition. Now, before we get to the next soundbite, keep in mind that in his letter to bishops accompanying Traditionis Custodes, published also on July 16th, 2021, Francis wrote, quote, A final reason for my decision is this, ever more plain in the words and attitudes of many is the close connection between the choice of celebrations according to the liturgical books prior to Vatican Council II and the rejection of the Church and her institutions in the name of what is called the true Church, unquote. Now, listen to these words of Michael Matt. And Francis is 85, and his church
1: is aging rapidly. It's collapsing. But the true church, the church that you represent, the church that you love as traditional Catholics, is just getting started. It's just getting ready to fight.
0: Yeah, huh? See, that's exactly what Francis means, and that is exactly why he's taking away their traditional Mass. And whereas when I was a kid, there was just a tiny little remnant of traditional Catholics today,
1: there are millions of us, millions, who will go back underground, will go into the woods, will go into the catacombs, we will do whatever it takes until these modernist hippies are gone. Millions. Boy, we sure have come a long way from... They're not in open rebellion against the modernists and Second Vatican Council. They pay no attention to that. All right, and to conclude, some more fireworks. In the spirit of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, priests of the Society of St. Pius attend. call out the Vatican right now! Call them out! Today, don't waste another moment. Call them out! Tell the world what they're doing. Tell the world what Archbishop Lefebvre told the world, that they are creating a new and diabolical religion. The church will survive. The priesthood will survive. But we need to stand up, stand together, and fight what's going on.
0: All right. So I think it's pretty clear that Michael Matt is very passionate about what he's saying, but uh, just what he is saying isn't all that clear. I, at least, was not able to detect any kind of coherent theology. You can watch the whole video for yourself on YouTube. Again, it's entitled, The Intolerant Pope, Francis Cancels Faithful Catholics, released on December 19th of last year. The bottom line here is this. Since the release of the Vatican Responsa ad Dubia, All those semi trad pundits weighed in to give their exceptionally irrelevant and non-binding opinion on it all. I'm sorry, but if Francis is Pope, then these people and their views are irrelevant and definitely not binding on anyone. See, this is what absolutely blows my mind. That people who call themselves traditional Catholics and think they are clinging to the Catholic faith of the ages would essentially reject a Vatican decree issued with the authority of the person they firmly believe, as the Roman pontiff, that they would reject such a document and instead turn to talking heads like Brian McCall, Michael Madd, Peter Kwasniewski, Taylor Marshall, or Eric Sammons, for example, to receive guidance on what to think and do about the Vatican decision. It is insane, If Francis is the Roman pontiff, then the Roman pontiff has spoken. The supreme judge of all the faithful has rendered a decision on what is to be done and what is not to be done liturgically. So the Pope makes a decision about the sacred liturgy and you disregard that and instead go by what Brian McCall says? This is mind-blowing insanity. On July 18, 1870, the First Vatican Council declared infallibly, quote, Since the Roman pontiff is at the head of the universal church by the divine right of apostolic primacy, we teach and declare also that he is the supreme judge of the faithful, and that in all cases pertaining to ecclesiastical examination, recourse can be had to his judgment." Moreover, that the judgment of the apostolic see, whose authority is not surpassed, is to be disclaimed by no one, nor is anyone permitted to pass judgment on its judgment. Therefore, they stray from the straight path of truth, who affirm that it is permitted to appeal from the judgments of the Roman pontiffs to an ecumenical council as to an authority higher than the Roman pontiff." On January 21st, 1878, Pope Pius IX wrote in his apostolic letter di to the president of the Italian Catholic Youth Council that in following all the orders and directives of the apostolic see one cannot be deceived or betrayed. On June 17, 1885, Pope Leo XIII wrote to the Archbishop of Paris that, quote, it is to give proof of a submission which is far from sincere to set up some kind of opposition between one pontiff and another. Those who, faced with two differing directives, reject the present one to hold to the past are not giving proof of obedience to the authority which has the right and duty to guide them. And in some ways they resemble those who, on receiving a condemnation, would wish to appeal to a future council or to a pope who is better informed, That is the standard traditional Catholic teaching on the authority of the Roman pontiff and the duty of submission to that authority on the part of all Catholics. Notice that the notion of infallibility doesn't even come up. This is not about infallibility, it's about authority. And following this authority in matters of faith and morals, in matters of the sacred liturgy and universal church discipline, is always safe because that is how God instituted the papacy in his church. This makes perfect sense. What is the alternative scenario anyway? That the Pope promulgates liturgical laws... And then the bishops, priests, and laity decide whether they agree? If that's how it is, what do we need a pope for? It's amazing how many people say they are traditional Catholics, and yet they don't go by traditional Catholic doctrine. What did Pope Pius XII say about this? Well, in his 1947 encyclical Mediator Dei, he wrote this, quote, The sovereign pontiff alone enjoys the right to recognize and establish any practice touching the worship of God, to introduce and approve new rites, as also to modify those he judges to require modification. Bishops, for their part, have the right and duty carefully to watch over the exact observance of the prescriptions of the sacred canons respecting divine worship. Private individuals, therefore, even though they be clerics, may not be left to decide for themselves in these holy and venerable matters, involving as they do the religious life of Christian society, along with the exercise of the priesthood of Jesus Christ and worship of God, concerned as they are with the honor due to the Blessed Trinity, the Word incarnate, and His august Mother and the other saints, and with the salvation of souls as well. For the same reason, no private person has any authority to regulate external practices of this kind, which are intimately bound up with church discipline and with the order, unity, and concord of the mystical body, and frequently even with the integrity of Catholic faith itself. Unquote. Again, that's Pope Pius XII, Mediator Dei, and it's paragraph number 58. Now, the semi will say, but we can't go along with Francis' decree because it destroys the Catholic mass and gives us the novel sort of worship service instead. Yep, that's right. It does. If you were to follow Francis faithfully, you would end up a modernist like him. That's how you know he's not the Pope. Guys, this isn't that difficult. The way God set up the Holy Catholic Church is he instituted her with a hierarchy and gave her an infallible visible head, the Roman pontiff, the Pope, and to this papal office he gave sufficient protections such that the Pope would always be the living criterion and guarantee of sound doctrine, salutary discipline, and sacred worship. He fortified the supreme pontificate so that it could not be compromised by the human element, that it would not falter even in the face of human sin and weakness." And so we have infallible certitude that Francis is not the Roman pontiff. Per Catholic dogma, he cannot be. And recognizing that is a first and necessary step to a solution to the conundrum. Resistance does not solve anything because it makes each individual Catholic the arbiter and final authority over what ought to be done in the Church and makes the papacy Meaningless, useless, and dangerous. Now, I know some will say that, ha, Sedevacantism makes each individual Catholic the arbiter and final authority over who is Pope. But the reality is, folks, we're just drawing the necessary conclusion that follows from Catholic doctrine. And we have every right to do that precisely because Catholic doctrine is true not just in theory, but also in practice. The 19th century Spanish priest, Father Felix Sarda y Salvani, wrote in his Vatican-endorsed book, Liberalism is a Sin, chapter 32, quote, of what use would be the rule of faith and morals if in every particular case the faithful could not of themselves make the immediate application, unquote just as we did when Tradiciones Custodes* was released on July 16th of last year, so too what we're witnessing now is the turmoil that results when people embrace an impossible, absurd scenario. Francis and the papacy simply do not go together. Because the papacy has real meaning. It is not just a word or a label that you can slap on someone with no consequences. The papacy is the supreme office of teacher, governor, and sanctifier in the Catholic Church that was instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ himself as the perpetual guarantee of sound doctrine, salutary discipline, and sacred worship. Traditionis custodes and the responsa ad dubia are the result of accepting an open enemy of the Catholic religion as Pope. If you accept an open modernist as Pope, don't complain if he does modernist things. This is the false recognize-and-resist theology coming home to roost. The semi tribes may not realize it now but God is actually doing them a great favor here because he's practically forcing them to see how absurd their position really is. So, in a nutshell, here's the deal. If Francis is Pope, then you have the divine guarantee that Traditionis Custodes is not evil and the new Mass will not lead you into spiritual ruin. If, on the other hand, Traditionis Custodas is evil and the new mass does lead people into spiritual ruin, then Francis cannot be the Pope. Within the framework of sound Catholic theology, those are the only two options from which you can choose. And now, for heaven's sake, choose the right one. Tradcast Express is a production of Novus Ordo Watch, Check us out at tradcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordo.watch.org/donate.